Welcome back to Comtrack. <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> it's Spooktober, damn it. So, uh, yeah, hi folks. Uh, we are here for a fucking weird-ass movie tonight. Uh, and joining us uh, is a guest star. You might remember her from our... Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, or ni not Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Nightmare Before Christmas episode last no. season. No. Oh, wait, no, that's right, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. That's right. We did Beetlejuice together. Uh, Mandy McLean, how you doing, Mandy? I am doing. How about you? Not too bad. Like, we're here with a movie of your namesake. And, of course, uh, as always, our my regular co-host, Sean Wheeler, is here. Say hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta throw in a little bit of a dad joke. Uh, you know, can't can't deny. So, yeah, so we are here with a really fun movie for Spooktober. Uh, and of course, if you guys just want to like skip over our random bullshit that we usually talk about before the movie, there's a sync button in the below where you can just uh, there's or a little timestamp where you can start the movie and just get right to it. So, but that said. Woo! Uh, the Nicholas is uncaged in Mandy. <laughs> uh, so I want to know what was like some of the first experience with your guys's uh, uh, your guys' first experience with this one, because uh, I want to get to mine in a moment, because it's 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 kind of crazy. I very much felt watching this movie that it would probably be largely enhanced, particularly the slow build first half of it, if mm -hmm. I, in fact, had the drugs the people in the movie are taking. <laughs> uh, yeah, what about it, you? It, um, right away, I noticed the visuals, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is visually stunning. Um, very, you just get a very weird vibe from it, and it is a very, very slow process is the best way yeah. I can you you really gotta like you gotta you gotta wait until nicholas cage is uncaged before it really starts getting good <laughs> no kidding yeah uh because i believe my uh my good friend daniel gill uh recommended this one uh which by the way folks he will be uh here for next episode uh won't reveal what the episode exactly is but i assure you he will be here but anyway, uh, he um, he kind of told me about this movie. Uh, hadn't heard of it, hadn't heard any buzz about it. But he said Nicolas Cage goes more fucking insane than you've ever seen him ever. And I'm like, bitch, he, really? Like it's Nicolas Cage. I don't know if he can top himself at this point. Like it is <laughs> He's not. He's like, possible. no. <laughs> uh, and, and so he sits my ass down to watch the movie. Because uh, I think we, like, rented it from Voodoo or something. Uh, and we sat down and watched it. And he was, like, really unsure of himself. Because he's like, I don't know if you're going to like this movie. I don't know what you're going to feel. And the whole time, especially in that last half, we are just, like, having the time of our lives laughing. Just like, <laughs> holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and, he was, and he was so delighted that... He was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you guys are loving this movie. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. I never asked for this. What, <laughs> but what I, I am here for it. 
what I found most interesting when I was, you know, digging into this and, and doing some research and looking stuff up, um, Nicholas Cage, uh, talked about channeling, uh, his emotional distress from his unexpected divorce into this mm-hmm. role. Yeah. Oh, and all I, all I could think about after reading that was just like, so, so how do we distress Nicolas Cage before he does movies? Because that is really bringing this out. Like, how do we make this happen? Because these are the Nicolas Cage performances we need. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because, like, after that, he apparently he remarried and he was only married for four days. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I know, right? I mean, I mean like, ugh, I mean, he... I, Nicolas Cage is an interesting fellow. I mean, he had his... Um, mainstay Hollywood heyday, and then yep. it's just been like I'm doing whatever I want <laughs> exactly. in a really weird sandbox, and I don't care that it's good or bad half the time. You're just like, uh, okay, y- you know what? More and, power to you. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, you know, some of the reasons. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation as to the reasons behind it. And part of it uh, has been said that it's because. Um, he needs the money after he lost a lot of his uh, fi- uh, his fortune uh, to Bernie yeah. Madoff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But to get taken in a Ponzi scheme is never good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, I, I actually heard that uh, uh, he stole a chihuahua while drunk once. Uh, and he also was able to uh, s- steal a copy of um, a, uh, a really nice, like, near mint condition copy of uh, action comics number one which is like the most uh treasured Wait, comic book ever it? made he, he i think so. either he stole it or uh he ripped off some auction for it but yeah he eventually got himself a copy of action comics number one for a little uh, while and i think well, he lost it no I, I think what you're thinking of if i remember correctly uh he had a bunch he so he's an avid comic book fan that's actually where he oh, gets yeah. his name uh, he took Cage from um, Luke yep. Cage. Uh, yep. He got robbed at one point, and I think, if I remember correctly, I think Action Comics is one of number one is one of the comics that got stolen, and he collected the insurance from. But then several years later, like they found they were they found the stolen copy and recovered it. Ah, okay. So I, mean, I, I think there's... that might be what you're thinking of. It might be. If, I, if, or, and for, again, for, I know that this happened with a stolen comic, and I think it was that one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not positive for sure, but I, I do know that Nicolas Cage had, uh, you know, filed a massive insurance claim for a stolen comic book. And yeah. And eventually found it later. That could be what you're on about. But come on, stealing a chihuahua, that is nothing I would not expect John Cusack or Johnny Depp to do while drunk. So, <laughs> I mean, th- this is not in the realm of impossibility for, you know fun psychotic actors i know right uh and the the performance that he turns in is oh i can't even really describe it's it's because i actually remember because uh we were gearing up for spooktober sean and i realized that you hadn't seen this and i'm like you really need to see this movie it's it's a slow build at first but then there's a shot 
in the movie halfway through <laughs> where Nicolas Cage goes fucking crazy in a bathroom. He does. And from there, it's all fun and games. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that because I, I really do like that scene. Um, but again, I want to revisit this because I've only watched it the one time. And I've looked at the script since then, and I'm kind of curious uh, as to if I just missed a scene on my first watch through or what. Uh, and which I'll, I will know fairly certain because the scene I'm thinking of is not too far into the film. Uh, right. Because right. that actually, that scene has a direct setup impact on the bathroom scene. Yes, totally. Uh, and Mandy, I had to have you along because uh, a while ago we did another Nicolas Cage commentary on a different podcast. Uh, if y'all remember Nick Bowman from my Inception episode last season, he has his own podcast. I listed uh, links in the description for that episode. You can check him out. He's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he invited us to do a commentary of The Wicker Man. <laughs> and oh, that was fun. The remake, apparently. Yeah. yeah and remake, more specifically... Um, yeah, oh, go ahead. What I noticed in this film is that the dialogue was a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I also noticed that there weren't any crazy trucks going by. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. There was no bear uh, and, suit either. And sadly, significantly less bees. Yeah, no bees. <laughs> Not the bees. Well, I mean, the the lack of bees and bear suit may actually be a negative rather than a positive, but that that's yeah. not a personal preference. He he probably could have <sighs> pulled off that bear suit after he goes crazy in this one. Right. Yeah, like do like an homage to the Revenant or some shit. He <laughs> could be like in Tropic Thunder wearing a panda. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes running around, dude. Totally with a crossbow, like, and his dot pupils are fucking dilated and everything. I killed a panda. You killed Amanda. <laughs> hey, we can just clean that up. Like, no, a panda. Uh, Oh, jeez, don't scare me like that. <laughs> so I don't good. know. I mean, honestly, the PR might be worse in this day and age if you kill the panda versus killing a person named Amanda. I know. Amanda. I oh, hate to Jesus. say it, but I mean, that's probably true. Harambe. These are truly strange Ooh. times that we live in. But this oh, is yes. why we, you know, take obnoxious amounts of LSD and escape into movies like this. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't know if an obnoxious amount combined with this movie would be a good idea. Like you it's might either a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's either a good idea or a bad idea. That's there's no in between. You're but, either going to have an amazing time or the worst time in your life. But honestly, if you really do look at it from a different get 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 our idea of Nicolas Cage out of your mind. Like pretend like yeah, you don't know all of his craziness. <laughs> this is one of his better acting roles lately, though. Like, as far as him just oh, not yeah. being completely stupid. This is the best I've seen him do in years, if not well over a decade. I the, mean. The, yeah. on, the only thing is, she's creepy. I'm sorry. Eek. But anyway, um, the only thing, <laughs> um, I, I loved him in um, Kick-Ass, though, as Big Daddy. I thought I that, did like him in Kick-Ass, and I thought was he was great. Yeah, and I, I also I liked, liked him, him in... No, go ahead, Sean. I please. liked him in Kick-Ass to a point. Uh, I think my issue is um, I'm very much a comic book person, uh, uh, and I was much more at the time. And so 
while I liked him in the role uh, to a certain extent, uh, the film overall just didn't live up to my expectations from the comics. Right. And so it was like, okay, like you're good there, but this whole movie didn't quite do what I wanted it to. So you were basically pissed off at the whole movie anyway for not being what you wanted it to be. A little bit, and but I've also kind of come to terms with almost every comic adaptation I look at. I'm like, well, this isn't going to be what I want, but let's see what they did. Right. I mean, yeah. with, the except, with the exception of, you know, Marvel, but that's because they, uh, they've approached it in a way where it's like, oh, no, no, this is its own universe, and we're not tying it to the comics. And I'm like, oh, thank you, let's do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the only other thing that I really liked Nicolas Cage in this, this era of the 2010s uh, was... I think uh, him doing the uh, the bit part as Spider-Man Noir and Into the Spider-Verse, that was actually oh, a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, that was actually, a lot of fun. I, I'm not mad at anyone involved in that movie. Oh, God, no. Are you kidding me? That one's a work of art. So I guess we should probably start the movie then, huh? <laughs> yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, I'm let's just, do it. I'm already ahead of the game, guys. All right, let's do it. All right, so folks, if you've got the uh, the movie queued up back home, if you can find it on uh, Blu-ray, streaming, wherever you can, we're going to get this bad boy started in three, two, one, click. And here we go. So, uh, yeah, we as, as per, you know, many indie movies, we've got a lot of crazy, weird, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, productions that produce these sort of things. Um <laughs> and uh yeah that's like one of the best things about going to an indie movie i think is always seeing like the weird the weird different production companies that finance the movie because well, you never see them well yes but on almost every film you'll find particularly on any uh non-major studio film you yeah. will always see a production company name that you will typically only ever see once and it's yep. usually because that production company was made to insulate the film from lawsuits and so that's why it's a one-off. It's like, no, no, that that's the company they officially made it under. So if somebody comes after them with a lawsuit, none of the bigger players have any liability. Yeah. That and plus, you know, we're, we live in such a, a crazy, oversaturated culture of, uh, of influx of movies and television that usually those production companies, they start up with really good intentions and then they just implode from the competition. Yeah. You know? That's that's the other sad thing. Um, then we get our first quote, which you would expect we get a title, but we don't until a full hour into the movie. I think it's actually like an hour and fifteen. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like uh, that's like one of the more bold things about this is like no 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 let's not show the the title <laughs> yeah, until. I was... Yeah, and particularly it's, you know, usually when you don't see a title at the beginning, they wait till the very end. And the fact that they do that, like, in the middle like that is, as you say, very unusual. Well, they do some, like, weird things on here. I guess they break it up by chapter or something. You'll see, like, a title go across the screen about... Yeah, like, a little bit. Into the woods, or and I don't know what it says, but... It's, they a, do it's break a little it up. Tarantino. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, man, and also you know you know what the other thing that I actually genuinely love about this movie, it's the score. Oh yeah, I was gonna mention that. Um, it's got a really really interesting vibe to it. It's almost like kind of synth wave to a degree yeah. at some parts. Yeah, Johan Johansson did the music, and this was actually his uh, his last uh, uh, 
films that he scored because he died shortly after this movie uh, uh, was finished and the film's dedicated to him. But uh, it, it really goes out to my heart because Johan Johansson has done some amazing scores in the last couple of years. Like he also did Arrival with uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, and he was actually supposed to do uh, Blade Runner 2049, but he wanted to do this one. Uh, and due to his health issues, he just had to ultimately drop out of uh, Blade Runner and uh, have Hans Zimmer replace him, which Hans Zimmer did a really, you know, cool thing with it. But I would have been beyond yeah. fascinated to hear what Johan Johansson would have done with that movie. You know, I, I, ha I have to mention, you know, just watching this uh, this time, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it on headphones as opposed to through speakers. And that opening audio hits different, like uh, like that repeater noise, almost like a helicopter, comes yeah. through way, way sharper. And I always find that interesting. I, I've noticed that a lot. Um, when I watch films uh, with headphones and stuff, I'll tend to get more uh, audio more similar to what I would hear in a theater than just listening through my uh, general, like, you know, stereo speakers. Yeah. Sound is half the picture, people, and this one could not be more, uh, more of a better example because yeah, the sound plays you can such have, a huge part. You could have the most beautiful film, and if the sound is crap, it's shot. Yes. Yeah. One of the key things that I learned in film school is, oh, look, produced by Elijah Wood. How fucking well, weird is that? that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, we're no. making weird movies with other weirdos. <laughs> of, of course, of course. Yeah, have you guys Naturally. seen Maniac with him in it? With Elijah Wood in it? No, I haven't. Oh, I need really to. Good. I'm going to have to check that out. Check I'll put it that out. on he, my list. He's a maniac in it. Well, of course. I mean, obviously. I mean, I've seen him playing a maniac before in Sin City. Are they smoking <laughs> Longbottom uh, long Leaf there? A little bit. It's the finest weed in the South Harling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, like one of the key things that I learned in uh, film school was that sound is uh, you, like when you're making a movie, uh, an audience can forgive bad, uh, bad video or bad visuals. They can, but they will not forgive bad sound. No, they won't. Um, it's because it's a lot more. Uh, it's I don't more say... jarring or something like yeah. if the sound isn't right yep uh we're, we're, that's just how we're we're in tuned because you know a bad video can be a style like uh they even play with the style visual style with this movie with uh, the crazy amount of film grain because you've already been seeing it mm -hmm. right um because you know usually films tend to uh, eliminate uh, film grain as much as they can, but this one just uses it in every single corner to create this nutty their titles, mood. The weird titles they have. Yeah. 1983. Mm. Um, but uh, there's actually a really brilliant uh, Nerdwriter video essay. Nerdwriter is probably the best video essayists out there on youtube like he's he always just comes out with some of the best stuff but he uh did one uh of talking about the film's artistic use of grain uh and i'll hmm. and if you guys want i'll link it in the description below so y'all can watch it because it's it's a, a really cool little watch 
Um, I actually would like to watch that. I do like his videos, and I haven't caught that one, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. As soon Because I caught it uh, roughly just before I'd seen it. Like, my buddy Dan told me about this movie, and I... And then immediately, just like almost as if on cue, Nerdwriter posts that video, and I'm like, "Oh, right on! I'll save this for my watch later." After, and I'll come back after the movie, and then I did, and it was awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you mentioned there was supposed to be a lot more dialogue in this script, Sean. That's what I was going to mention yeah. that, like when, when I started to watch it last night, they hardly say anything, like yeah. for the first half of the movie. Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot more in the first half, but, you know, particularly uh, the the trailer scene uh, that happens later, there's a lot more dialogue. And I'll, I'll let you know um, when we get coming there, up yeah. here whether or not, you know, a scene I saw in the script is actually in here. Because I'll be perfectly honest, I mean, I could, I've only watched it once, I may have just flaked out of it. Yeah, yeah It's I feel easy yeah. to flake out on this one. I mean, it is. <clears throat> Maybe that's why he was such a good actor in this one, because he didn't have to talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also really weird, because I remember, especially in the early 2000s, uh, Richard Roper, I think this was when he was still doing uh, a show for the Chicago Tribune with uh, Roger Ebert at the time. Uh, but I think it was in the review of uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, or whatever it was called, I forget. Um, but he... <laughs> Uh, it, uh, it's weird because uh, uh, this movie breaks a, a fundamental rule that Richard Roper kind of made, which was the crazier Nicolas Cage's hair is, the crazier the performance is going to be. <laughs> his hair uh, should have been out to here in this one. It, right. it, his hair should have been like, he should have been looking a little bit like Con Air again. You know, he had yeah. keep the beard and the crazy long mullet. Long hair. <laughs> See, I, I was gonna say like, I mean, do him up like, uh, like O.J. Simpson from Naked Gun, just like full on <laughs> fake afro, like hair everywhere. I think that would have been a little too much for this movie. He, he should have just been standing on top of a mountain with a chainsaw, with his hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, you mentioned chainsaw. I just realized watching this again, watch uh, like in the opening where he's, you know, they clearly establish him as like a logger and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But I'm like, oh shit, they per they did actually kind of set up that amazing yep. chainsaw fight. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, because I the I think the other thing that popped into my mind when I first watched this movie was uh, my film college instructor uh lucas ostrowski and uh, luke if you're listening uh i know this is probably one of your favorite movies as a matter of fact i'm pr almost certain that you're listening to this episode at one point or another but uh yeah this kind of when i watched this this was kind of the perfect lucas ostrowski movie because i was uh working with him as uh one of the uh, uh production assistants on uh, his short film Beneath the Crawl Space, Ooh. which was, yeah, it was basically about a dude who was kind of a lapsed Catholic, and it's a really crazy, you know, 1980s grunge movie where he finds himself into the, uh, the underworld, and we built this crazy snake skeleton skull crossbone thing 
uh, and I actually did some sound design for the underworld as well. Uh, and yeah, man, that was, that, and when I watched this, I immediately thought of that movie. <laughs> I'm like, this is the greatest Lucas, uh, Lucas, uh, Lucas Strowski movie ever made. See, uh, sorry, cutting you off. That yeah, chick no, would good. creep me out if I was him. She just, oh, this part. Creep? She's creepy. I know that he loves her, but she, she, she she's creepy. <laughs> she was just creeping well, in the water. The, it's it's the much better lady in the water, the non Shyamalan. Right. <laughs> then one that's far more interesting and less. It's just as fucked up, but it's not as confusing. <laughs> See, now, I'm, I, now I'm not being an ass. I'm literally asking you: Did they make one eyeball bigger than the other, or is it like that? Like the? Did you no. see how like the? Uh, I think this it's kind of a similar thing because I remember them doing this uh, on The Last Temptation of Christ uh, during like some of the more intense scenes with Jesus uh, uh, and uh, with Willem Dafoe as Jesus. I just uh, watched that actually... the other day. Oh, that's great. I love Last Temptation and all be all Jesus movie. But uh, they actually you uh, poured uh, eye droplets in directly into yeah to dilate the pupils. And I'm 90% that's exactly what they were doing in this movie constantly. Because okay. you look at the close-ups of them, and you can see their eyes are just completely fully dilated. You can see their brain if you look close enough right through their eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, and you know what? I'm pretty sure that you know if he could take advantage of that, photographically speaking, he would. He would have. This is yeah. what I was asking about. <laughs> we'll, we'll pretend like this didn't happen. But this was what I was asking about before. Oh, the is dead animal? A deer? Or what is that? Uh, I believe that yeah, is... Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a stillborn deer. It's... Yeah. It looks like an alien. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a little prop thing that someone cooked up. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a... Sean's right. It's like a... Uh, either like a, a, a dead baby deer or just like a stillborn, like you said. That's actually a really cool little interpretation. And that's, uh, you know, something that this movie does a lot is like it doesn't give you all the answers. It just kind of like, hey, let's just have some fun with this. Because, um, uh, you know, like there, you mentioned, Sean, that there's not a whole lot of backstory. Um, but Well, there yeah, doesn't we, need to be a ton of it, but... And we'll see coming up, because I think not too far from here is the scene in question that I'm wondering whether or not is actually in this movie that, that I read in the script, so... Mm, okay. Because I know he's, like, supposed... It's 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 obviously supposed to be 1983, because that's mm -hmm. also, like, the year that Panos Cosmatos is kind of obsessed with in a weird way, because uh, he did make another movie that t supposedly takes place in that year, which is... Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I still haven't seen, but um, yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow is does a lot of these crazy, like acid trip, highly grainy uh, uh, aesthetics, but yeah. it's almost plotless, <laughs> so oh. it's really more of an experimentation film. Uh, but yeah, he just like uh, went really, really nuts with it, uh, and I, I still have yet to see it. But apparently that movie takes place in 83, and, you know, Nicolas Cage also uh, works as a logger, might have been a veteran because, you know, he talks to Bill Duke mm -hmm. later in the movie. Um, and uh, the, there's, 
and really that's all you're kind of given oh yeah and he also might be a recovering alcoholic because let's face it when you pull the the vodka bottle out of a <laughs> okay, drawer in the so bathroom the, the fact that you're saying this i'm i'm now fairly certain the scene that i read in the script isn't in the movie it's the sheriff messing with him at a gas station and basically yeah call it like making you know belittling him for being an alcoholic and for settling down with basically what he calls like the town tramp i don't and, think like, that happens, oh. does it yeah and so like that background of like oh he's an alcoholic like that had such once i read that scene that made the that bathroom scene later play wholly differently for yeah me. i don't think they touch on that on here do they tim no, no, I think either, again, that might have been just something limited by the script, or it maybe they did film it and it's a deleted scene. It's I don't know. On Shudder, yeah, on Shudder right now, they have the uh, like the uncut version or the, the long version of it. Oh, Because, uh, like, for me, like, that one scene is like, you know what? Like, that would have made so much more about this movie clear. Well, and it, it's it weird that they didn't folks. show it. Do that's, that's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I do like this scene right here, though, with the, the creepy Starling story. Yeah, that. And I also love the fact that this whole scene is essentially just one long still take that is a very slow zoom push. Yeah, it's a know? great it's a great um, effect to, to capture the, the intimacy and intensity of the moment. And what I also really love is uh, because it's clearly a zoom lens, um, which, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of uh, cinematographers. They well don't as, like uh, the zoom. They don't. They really don't. They, they're they like, look, if I'm going to, you know, want if I want to push in on an object or a subject or yeah. whatever, I'm dolly in, you know, right. like, it, it, mm. it just feels net. But what people don't realize is the zoom actually can flatten the image. Right. Like uh, one of the best uses of the zoom lens that I've ever seen was in Stanley Kubrick's ba uh, Barry Lyndon, uh, mm -hmm. where they had these incredibly static images with very little movement. But they used a, he used a zoom lens uh, to do these slow push-ins or push-outs, and it flattens the image and makes it look like a, a Ken Burns documentary. You know, well, like I you're do seeing know a... that um, Kubrick is a major, uh, a cited major influence for this director. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cosmatos is uh, way, way into it. I mean, and it does totally show uh, with the, the kind of slow burn, methodical kind of things. And, of course, like I said, with the, the zoom lens, it's still being uh, used here. Um, but actually, uh, did you know how P uh, Panos Cosmatos got his start in the business? Wasn't he um, one of the crew on Tombstone? He was a, uh, yeah, he was one of the uh, uh, assistant operators on Tombstone, but his father was the director of Tombstone. Oh. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. movies, by the way. Oh, yeah, dude. Tombstone's fucking awesome. You ever do, if you ever cover that, bring me on. Oh, will do. <laughs> Absolutely. I will definitely keep y'all in mind. Tombstone is one of those excellent movies where there's like so much good, but there's also those couple moments where you're like, oh, which almost makes the rest of the good better. 
Yeah, I you know, as much as I love that movie, I still get a giant laugh every time you see that slow motion close up of Kurt Russell going No yeah. I mean, you, you know that the you know that everyone involved in that film was so happy that Star Wars made a more notable and problematic <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man okay so now we're oh yeah right we're uh going through the forest here with mandy if i I saw a red forest like that i would not walk through it i would be scared i i don't think this is her point of view uh, because i think this is the first encounter that we have with uh the cults but i mean visually like i i mean obviously this is not natural but i love the the lighting takes and effects here, you know, the, the constant creation of making, uh, the film and the world seem otherworldly. It, it's yeah. really, they did a really good job with that. Yeah. I love- and I mean, you know, with the, the planet tie-ins that, that they deal with here, it's like, it almost makes you want to think like it, it, it opens possibilities. Like, are they trying to reference Mars here? Right. You know, like, uh, violence, yeah. danger, war. The, the, the redness, okay, now I, see, it's really fun because this movie is one of those things where it doesn't really make sense while you're watching, but you kind, but it gives you such an impression that it leaves these thoughts and images or these thoughts in your mind like maybe this had a double meaning and it leads you to go on this weird rabbit hole where you're like, oh, yeah, this totally means like a whole bunch of stuff because you know, watching this again, because I think this is like the third time I've watched it. Um, you're right. You know, like it's the, it's referencing, you know, these this crazy outworldly uh, God of War Mars uh, to foreshadow for what's coming coming up. Something I have to mention. I mean, obviously, they've established her as like a metalhead. But yeah, with man. her rock and roll shirts. Right. Which I like, but. Could they not have found a different Black Sabbath shirt? Because does anyone not think of yeah. that Black Sabbath shirt whenever they think of Tony Stark now? Yeah. Like, could yep. you have found one of the many <laughs> others that exist? I know, right? Like, find, like, one of the weird, really weird ones, you know? Uh, but I guess, that, you know, maybe it was just a, a limitation of the budget. Or, you know what, maybe it was, like, a an insistence on Nicolas Cage himself. Because, as we know, big maybe, comic book well, fan... Well, it, it could, could also be, teacher. I don't know enough about the time, if that was actually the time period where that was the Black Sabbath shirt around. So it might actually be time appropriate. Right. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Again, we'll have to just go down that rabbit hole. Um, but, oh, dude, the, the title card with the Children of the New Dawn. Um, for the record. I love the um, font. Yeah, man. And the, how it, da- the, 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 these crazy visuals dance in the other word. But uh, on the soundtrack, uh, which by all means, please get, because the soundtrack is amazing just to kind of sit and listen to because it's got this crazy ethereal thing going. But the, uh, the, the track, Children of the New Dawn, is probably hands down my favorite track on the entire soundtrack. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd recommend just giving a listen, especially if you're driving at night. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I've got a whole night driving soundtrack especially if like it's all changing colors outside and stuff and <laughs> red and if it, it's really if it's grainy. raining great yeah. yeah shit yeah 
Okay, so now we have our cult leader, uh, played by Linus Roach, which, as you know, like going back to the comic books, you if we're big fans. He's fucking T Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins. <laughs> it's just the the entire delivery here, though, is just like he's so full of contempt. It's just like you instantly get a feel for this guy, and you're just like, "Well, you suck." Yeah, I know, right? You're a spaz. I mean, he's clearly uh, inspired by Charles Manson, you know, like, you know, he's all about the hallucinogenic drugs and he's all about his life changing music. And uh, uh, and he, he gets really pissed, you know, especially when yeah. my favorite part later is when Mandy just straight up laughs at his tiny little dick. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, that was actually can't. kind of amazing. <laughs> I, I, I love that whole scene, but honestly, my favorite part of that scene, though, is like, what do you see? And she's just like, I see the Ripper coming right quick. It's just like... <laughs> Damn, that's some poetry right there. But as far as now, I could be wrong, but I think the actor is like way like weirdly deep into like spirituality himself. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I could now. I know he's not. He's not like actually like you know a cult leader or anything. But I are you and sure? I, I, again, I could I could be totally wrong, but I heard somewhere that he is actually way deep into like you know spirituality and has like these uh, seminars and and shit. In addition to his acting and whatnot. Now, this wonderful actor here. Oh, um, yeah. Th this was the second movie I'd seen him in in a week. Because I had just recently beforehand watched Guns Akimbo. And oh, my God. I totally love right. him. I love this guy as a villain. Like, he is... And this is such a different take from that film. But in both of them, he's just a complete, like, scumbag. And I love it. But here he's oh, yeah. like a weirdly like loving, compassionate one. Yeah, he and and as always, he's um, well it, this time around he's uh, he's playing uh, uh, first lieutenant in uh, in this yeah, weird but, I mean, you family can here. See the love and affection in his face, and I mean that is just wonderful acting. Yeah, <laughs> I also love the 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 curly hair, <laughs> the the um, <laughs> the. Uh, absurd hair and the ugly yellow t-shirt that they give the, the kid. That would be and me course... sitting there drinking a big gulp or whatever. <laughs> while all this cult shit's going on. <laughs> with, with a bit, with a big uh, thing of fries. Ooh. Yeah. Fuck. Now I want fries. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to start my diet over today, but yeah, 2020 just kind of keeps getting in the way, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. It really, really does. Jeremiah, you are so amazing. Now kiss me. <laughs> Full on the lips. <laughs> yeah, man, this family gets fucking cray. Uh, although... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it again really is kind of a, Man a Manson family sort of thing. Like this is this feels like um, Manson family of the eighties. Yeah, it's also weirdly stuck in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, because you know all their shit is like secondhand, and so everything's like ten years old. 
Because that's the other thing that I really love is, you know, like when movies do period pieces to, and they always do like, you know, the model of the time, they co- they always forget that they need to do, they re- what they really need to show is stuff that came out five, ten years earlier. Right. To give it that wear and age, you know, because, you know, nothing, nothing's ever really pristine in any moment in history. Has oh, the actress so that creepy. played Mandy, has she done a lot of work? Because I've never seen her before. Uh, let's see. Um, she, let's see. Uh, I know uh, she was in The Death of Stalin. Uh, she was, uh, oh yeah, she was in Birdman. I, you mm. know I have not watched that yet. What? Birdman is amazing, dude. Who, who was she in The Death of Stalin? Um, she was uh, uh, Sylvania Stalina. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I might, might just be like a really small role because I haven't seen the death of Stalin, even though it's been on my list for. Uh, I, I watched quite a it while. recently, but I had I watched it before I saw this, and so I wasn't looking for her, and it and it did not register when I watched this. Oh, okay. It, you know what? Maybe it's because of the hair. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, because the the hair it's it's it is kind of crazy and bushy. Um, and like kind of unkept. <laughs> Do you, are you, Man, Mandy, are you just saying that you re- would be want to be the one to play Mandy in this movie? Is that would, what you're saying? You... I would play it in the movie, but I wouldn't want to be her in like real life because some bad shit's about to happen. <laughs> no kidding. Like, I love Jesus. I love how creepy that like old devoted woman you know of the She's cult a creeper. is. Like they did yep. a great job with with. I mean, she does a great job with the performance. They did a great job casting her. It's like she, yep. she pulls it off perfectly. One of the other things that I really love about that scene is every time it cuts to her in that scene, in the foreground, even though it's out of focus, is the American flag. I didn't notice mm. that. Yeah. So it's like, uh, America! Bang, 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 America! bang, bang. We're all going <laughs> to die because we're in basically a fucking cult. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but okay, this, this guy here. He's strange. <laughs> I remember watching this the first time. I'm like, dude, close your damn mouth. Right? Flies are gonna get into that shit. <laughs> um, He's got the nice mullet going on. The, the slack jawed <laughs> mullet man from the '80s. Like, only in a movie like this could you find a character like that. Right. But uh, yeah, this is a moment where they're going to summon. The, uh, the, the the crazy four-wheeler leather guys that are <laughs> that haven't been right since they uh, they delve their <laughs> noses deep into <laughs> it. Yeah. So, something I want to mention, the fat guy part of this cult who they talked about offering up as a sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, looking at the original script, he was like one of a pair of twins. And oh. like originally the other twin was supposed to basically be abandoned at the cabin to sit there and and finish off Nicolas Cage's character and that's actually supposed to be like Cage's first kill before he even goes to the alcohol and starts the rampage oh and i thought that would have been a very interesting you know take but i for whatever reason that that didn't maybe they just couldn't in this cut yeah, maybe maybe they just couldn't, you know, the casting director just couldn't find a really good set of twins or something. 
Yeah, so and, just... and trying to do that back and forth, you know, With trying to do it. Photog- yeah, it's more complicated and difficult, and with a movie on a lower budget like this, that might not that might be cost prohibitive. Yeah, uh, and then there the other, th- but they still managed to really make it work because when you oh, look yeah. at all of these family members, he's the one that does stand out the most. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing here, kid? <laughs> right. On this part where he. Um, oh, we all we all have that one there, there's always that one asshole in every family that when they're bored they just roll the windows up and down up that's and me down and up. <laughs> i also draw on the condensation <laughs> like Primar- F- primarily you oh see i was i was gonna say primarily you're, you're the one drawing penises out there right i do draw wieners <laughs> on the wieners on the windows Hey, that's a great name for a band name. We should write that down. Winners on the windows. <laughs> I love the way they shoot this this scene though. With you can just see the annoyance building. I know, I know right? And that kid. You know who? The, you know who this the, the kid that they sacrifice. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of the kid from Bad Bad Santa, all grown up. Yep. It's the curly hair, yep. you know. And that dumbfounded look, permanent like. dumbfounded look on his face. <laughs> and oh, here, this great shot. This is a great shot with the, because uh, you don't know what the hell that shit is until you see the alien dark outline of the uh, the, the, the four wheelers. But this guy the looks smoke. Like he's about to snap, dude. Yeah, I mean, he looks genuine. It's like one of, it's really great build because... When you realize that these fucking psychos are scared of these guys, it just tells you how unholy these creatures of the night are. They need to be having American flags on the back of their four-wheelers. No, they're beyond that. They're beyond anything, uh, not just this country, but of this whole world. Jesus Christ, the sounds. Looks like a, what was it, the Night King? <laughs> Looks like something out of a Hellraiser, man. Right? <laughs> it's fucking intense. Only if, if Hellraiser was photographed on LSD. Right. <laughs> oh, man, what a, that's basically this whole movie, isn't it? Pretty Hellraiser much. photographed on LSD in the 80s. Maybe some cocaine in there for, for okay. extra spice. Definitely some alcohol. Nicholas Cage showed us that. Soaked in rum, cocaine, and LSD. Mostly there LSD. There you go. <laughs> but the cocaine is mostly just like a little salt and pepper shake. We gotta have it though anyway, because it's the 80s. Ooh, he's, he's like, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I need an adult. Stranger an danger. Adult. Oh, I love the sound design for the drugs that they give them, like the 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 cicada bug kind of sound design that they give them. It's an homage just... to the bees. The bees. Maybe <laughs> the not bees. The, not the bees. <laughs> the fact that they fucking drink that shit. I spilled water all over myself. Awesome. <laughs> oh god i was be glad with them 
be 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 glad it's just water. Right. Because Christ alive. Also, because we mentioned that that you know there's like a lot of stylized coloring and shit, right? But now I genuinely can't tell if that's you know mise en scene lighting where it's just like the uh, the lights coming from you know the rear lights of their cars or if it is stylized i love that i can't actually quite tell i do want to point this out i know this doesn't have anything really to do with the film yeah. i almost feel like nicholas cage looks younger in this film than he has i don't know if he's had a facelift or what or maybe it's just I, the makeup honestly i think it's the beard uh and the dark lighting of the movie it's like, masking you know, you can, his age in a weird way yeah uh because you know in nicholas cage he it's not like the dude's like aged horribly he's actually aged no. fairly not, well especially you know considering all the crazy antics that he gets into um but yeah man like this is when some serious shit's about to go down uh and <laughs> Oh, oh man, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think it was the earlier, like the smoke adds this whole new layer to grain that I've never really quite seen done like that before. And it goes even crazier like this. Um, <laughs> and I believe in sequences like this is where I have to kind of, I really almost wish that they did have like a warning for our viewers, like for our photosensitive viewers, <laughs> please vacate the area because <laughs> it's about to get nuts. Because I even remember uh, doing early stuff for Beneath the Crawl Space. Um, I got to see if uh, uh, Luke ever posted that movie. I'll, I'll see if I can find a way to link it to him or at least ask him about it. But... Uh, uh <clears throat> Yes. I do want to say, speaking of their house, like, with, like, as you saw pictures of it earlier, that wall and a half of just windows, like, I'm sorry, but I don't want to live in a home that exposed, even no. out in the woods. Like, I'm all right. <laughs> You're asking for the wrong turn guys to come in over there and get you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my. You might have a seizure watching this. Yeah, I know, because uh, when we were doing research for beneath the crawl space he showed us a couple music videos and he actually did turn to the class like are there any photosensitive people here <laughs> like because you will get a seizure if you watch this i think oh it's cool God, though, a lot is... of haunted houses are set up like that like if you walk yeah. through one the strobes yep but uh yeah dude like that shit's like something straight out of alien you know As a matter of fact, I can kind of, I actually can kind of see Giger being a bit of an inspiration for how the, uh, the, 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 the Black Riders are designed. Like, they took the best stuff from, like, they're thinking, okay, for costume design, think Hellraiser mixed with H.R. Giger. Oh, there's their sacrifice. No! Bye, kid. No big gulp or anything. <laughs> Not even a pink elephant or a purple elephant. <laughs> I can't. I still can't remember what what the fuck he wanted for Christmas. <laughs> oh shit! And now this sequence, man. Put demanded down. <laughs> put put demanded in the box. 
Put the mandy in the bag. <laughs> oh, right. This is the whole sequence where they try to assimilate her. And, you know, when you get down to it, how fucking petty is it of the cult leader, Jeremiah, to assimilate her just because, you know, I saw you walking down the street and I right. thought you were really hot. Yeah. Let's assimilate you. I, I love that Black <laughs> Sabbath t-shirt. It really did it for me. <laughs> I, I get, Yeah, I'm, I'm still with Sean, though, because I'm like, yeah, can we have, like, one different shirt that isn't totally, like, where I'm thinking of Iron Man and the Avengers? Like, this is not Marvel Movie of the Month with Mark here. This no. is getting fucking weird with mandy <laughs> and you too mandy Me too. <laughs> and the movie for sure <laughs> oh shit yeah the, so and i also love the wardrobe of the of the cult cultists because again it does play into that whole 70s vibe but oh shit uh, oh no 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 so, no no oh some, some, something else from uh, from the script that I didn't really catch. Did you guys realize that that's supposed to be their daughter? Yo, what? What? Like that other girl, that young girl in the cult is supposed to be the daughter of the cult leader and that old woman. Oh, I didn't know oh. that. Okay. I thought yeah, she was like, another uh, disciple yeah, or whatever. I, I thought so too. And like, I didn't, I had no idea until I like saw that in the script and I'm like, huh? Like, so I don't know if they did away with that idea. Uh, or or not but i was just like uh, right oh just uh, no 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 so we have we don't have bees in this movie but we have big ass fucking wasps (laughs) the cherry on top jesus pouring LSD directly into your eyeballs <laughs> and stinging you with the shit. She's gonna <laughs> like, be tripping balls. <laughs> to say the least, man. Like, uh, but I do love this sequence coming up. Like, this is probably one of the coolest sequences visually that I've seen, not just in the movie, but in probably the last decade. And it's also probably one of the best close-up shots I've seen uh, in a long, long time. Because it's as you as will you'll know, find out it's technically two close-ups merged into one. Ooh. Oh God, the drugs <laughs> are burning. Kansas is going bye-bye. <laughs> Also, another thing, because, you know, we talk about when we see movie effects and they're how, like, in really cheap movies and they do these really dumb, cheap effects that you could easily have done in Windows Media Maker or Windows Movie Maker, the most basic editing software ever. Basic bitch, I like to call it. Uh, But when you see the streak effect in other movies for that sort of thing, it looks dumb, but... It works here. here. I don't... I don't know how they really make because for some reason it just looks so the effect is so much different 
but I think it's probably the heavy use of, uh, you know, uh, color distortion and the heavy use of grain. It makes those uh, phantom frames uh, pop all the more and get like an entire different effect entirely. Yeah, I mean, I think with so many effects, I mean, if they're done poorly, it looks cheesy. If they're done yep. masterfully, they look amazing. Yeah, uh, but again, it's the, you know, additional ingredients of the nutty color scheme and the intense use of grain that gives it a flavor that I really haven't seen before, um, which is really, really fun. <laughs> Uh, especially when, you know, because, you know, ultimately a lot of these uh, images are pretty static. and But when, you know, Jeremiah starts moving like this, you see oh, these crazy trails. And I actually did like the, when he puts his arms down, you could kind of see like a, for just a half a second, like a crucifix kind of imagery. I, I, I just love it. Like her slow response and she's just like, I see the Reaper fast approaching. Oh, and such good poetry. It's, it's just, and he's just so much like, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, he <laughs> even has to take a stop. Like, uh, okay. Oh, shut up. Your music sucks. <laughs> Have you actually heard any of Charles Manson's music? Yes. I'm sure I have at some point, but... It sucks. (laughs) I'm almost surprised... Go ahead. Yeah, I I was about to say, I'm almost surprised that they didn't directly reference the Beach Boys. Because, as you know, that was Charles Manson's yeah. whole thing. Like, they was, like, all pissed off about how the Beach Boys wouldn't accept him. And they thought his music sucked. And <sighs> It's really amazing how, like, some of the most famous sociopaths are just failed artists. Oh, yeah. Yep. Interpretive dancing. You look like a clown. You look like an idiot right now. He looks like the Michelin man. Got the... (laughs) You ain't no David Bowie. Get out. Oh, no. No. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if David Bowie got to play the role of Jeremiah? It would have been amazing. Just as, like, a weird, like, in-joke. It would have been amazing. Yeah, man, because I know Bowie's all for that kind of shit. Like, he always appears in the weirdest of places. Uh, like, great example we just talked about last Temptation of Christ. He appeared as Pontius Pilate. I know. Which was so weird. <laughs> but I'm he like, wasn't you know even what? in the credits. I don't think yeah. he was in the credits. Because I watched, I watched for him and I didn't see it. Oh, that's, that's weird. Because you'd think someone as prolific as Bowie would be like, eh, just, you know, throw him in the credits. Whatever. He was probably like... I'll just be in it. I don't want any kind of recognition. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Oh, man. Bowie was gone too early. I know. Okay, I think this is the uh, the shot. Yeah. 
Oh, this is such an amazing piece of visual filmmaking because, you know, like it was under Lucas Strowski that I really learned the, uh, like got to experiment and play around with the opacity tool and, you know, have shots fade into one another and not, but not fully. Uh, but this, this is something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the cool thing is, is that it's not just a, a gimmick thing, you know, it's actually there's purpose behind it because, you know, he's literally trying to uh, assimilate Mandy into his his world, make her of his image. So to, you know, ha do that kind of fading in and out is amazing. That is really cool. I know, right? I remember watching that, and my jaw actually dropped. I never cause... noticed it before because one of the things where I wasn't paying attention, you know, it has dry moments and stuff, so I was probably, like, I don't know, washing dishes or something when it was on. <laughs> I never noticed it. <laughs> oh, no, this is a movie that is truly uh, a yeah, feast I... for the eyes. It's it's a nice, trippy little effect, and it's, it's well, well done. Um, yeah, man. And I love how they even motion track it because you can tell that there are very subtle movements to make it as seamless as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because you're not sure where one one image begins and the other ends. Yeah, it it, it you you keep looking and trying to pin it down. You're just like. Uh, 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 mm -mm. And you're like, did I just? And, and I'll, you kind of look at your drink while you're uh, start before you started the movie. And you're like, did I put something in this? Is my mind playing games on me? Am I paranoid? Oh God! Oh, that's so cool. And then we cut do, back do, to her. Do, do you know what also occurred to me here, which I hate to kind of say? Oh, please the, tell me. The amalgamation of their two faces reminds me of Ke the face of Kevin Smith's daughter. It does. God damn it, I'm never going to unsee that shit. What the hell, man? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> You're not, and I hate you. Because <laughs> she has a similar face, but he has that more prominent nose. So it's just like, yeah. and you mash it, there we are. God. Oh, shit. So it's like one of those Animorphs. Like, uh, you know, one actor plus this actress equals this actress. Right. Like, Fucking goddamn it! You know, well, you know what? Maybe if uh, Kevin Smith does wind up listening to this, because uh, he's kind of my inspiration for starting this whole thing. And we think uh, Harley's beautiful. Harley looks oh, amazing. Course. Of course. Yeah. But yes, they but, do uh, kind of look like her. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Oh, there it is. Um, but yeah, if he... <laughs> he's like. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. If uh, I guess if the Kevin Smith... it better. Right. If, if Kevin Smith needs like actor. Uh, parents like just hire these two to get act, hire these two why not at least it'll visually make sense and it'll be right. like a weird little in joke but yeah <laughs> i do love this bit where she's like all this cult talk and all this talk of music and shit and she just laughs right in his fucking face like oh my god you're such a little you're, you're such a you're, you've got such a tiny dick you've got such little dick energy 
Because <laughs> I remember, oh, like, my, my fiance and I were watching this for the first time, and she's like, she was just cracking herself up because he's like, oh my god, this guy's the ultimate fuckboy. Let's laugh at him. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> she's laughing more now. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Laugh right in his face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is terrifying and hilarious at the same it time. Is. I love this shit. I love this shit, man. This is what Spooktober is all about. Oh, man, dude. Poor Pickleus. He's still all beat up. Pickleus Cage. <laughs> Pickleus. I did send you that, didn't I? I Way uh, back. I've had him before. I, I had a Pickleus Cage on my thing before, but it's a pickle that looks just like Nick Cage's face. Good old Morty! Morty, I turned Nicholas Cage into a pickle! It's Pickleus Cage! <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, something else to point out, also in the script, this whole section was yeah. a lot more drawn out, a lot more back and forths between, like, Cage tied up and trying to escape, and there's, like, a added section of, like, Mandy trying to escape and all this stuff. And Really? Yeah, but I, I do think that narrowing it down to what they did helped the flow of the movie. Yeah, how the pacing goes. You don't want it to be, like... Oh, this is just going to turn into a weird game of like the Great Escape mixed with drugs, and well, yeah, you don't want to deviate. I mean, the pacing has finally started to pick up again from that very slow opening, and I think had they extended this out like that, it would have uh, made it, you know, slow down again at a point when you really didn't want it to. Yeah, I still wish that they kept the uh, the sheriff scene. Because, again, I, I it does do. add a little bit. Yeah, I do, too, just because, like, that provided much-needed context. Oh, man, I love the grain. I know I've been talking about it a lot, but it's Well, no, so it's, it's great because it... Well, yeah, and it also makes it feel like a film of that time, which is so incredibly uh, important, and, and I love that effect. You know, they do a similar thing with... Uh, with Stranger Things, and yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, and it also feels like, you know, uh, sort of like what Robert Rodriguez was doing with Grindhouse, but instead of, you know, doing these over-stylized, you know, uh, post-rendered uh, 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 post uh, film stock filters that they added to it, instead they just took one element of those old films and they just cranked it up to 11 yeah i mean you i mean particularly when you look at like bright skin and you just see the grain huh. and how it plays she should have been wearing a red headband shouldn't she <laughs> but yeah you're right because the uh the because even when the image is really still, uh, there's a lot that uh, of there's still a lot of motion there. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> okay. I also love how, like, I love how Nicolas Cage in this scene is able to pull off the simultaneous effect of being batshit scared and also thoroughly confused mm -hmm. <laughs> just with his eyes and the fact that he's got you know fucking barbed wire wrapped around his mouth like a gag am i the only one who is like vastly curious as to one like if these are real relics where the hell did these weirdos get them because they seem too incompetent to actually have dealings Dealing. with demons you're right <laughs> yeah I you know what I my guess is is in their, uh, it's in their mind. No, actually, my guess is they just happen to get lucky. Uh, the fact that they uh, are friend mutual friends of the chemist who makes these crazy drugs with the uh, the the deep uh, dark under guys. Uh, maybe that's that's always been my theory. Is like, ow. Ah, uh, a little bit more. Uh, crucifixion kind of reference being stabbed in the side. Nicholas Cage is our Christ. He's our Messiah. Oh my God! You know now I'm just okay. So I, you know, I think of like because it's not that uh, you know, uh, um, shit. What crap? What uh, uh, Linus Roche? Um, he, it's not that this guy does a bad job as Jeremiah, not at all in the slightest. I think he's great in this, but I just thought, oh man, how great would it have been if this was like Willem Dafoe? I was just thinking that. I swear I was. Yeah, just man. Because we've seen him go fucking crazy and antichrist. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is like the great spectrum of Christ. He is Jesus Christ and the antichrist. He is. <laughs> He is Willem to friend and Willem to foe. He is <laughs> both, both at the same time. So how amazing would it have been if this turned into like a weird showdown between Willem to foe and uh, Nicolas Cage? So I, I'm not gonna lie, I tried to uh, keep an eye out for um, Willem to foe. Yeah, because he does keep a residence in Rome, and when I was there, it's like I knew what his favorite restaurant was, and I was just kind of like casually strolled by a few times, <laughs> kept looking on Twitter, like, "Are you in the city right now? Like, any chance I could try and run into you accidentally just because I want to be that kind of fanboy? boy?" <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Boondock Saints. Wow, that was crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's what gets talked about a lot. But I mean honestly, like I I enjoy a lot of his like subtler, uh, more supporting kind of roles. Like just because he he brings yeah. that element of just like mm, to to so many things um, that it's really delightful. Uh, I you know I love him in uh, John Wick. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. he's so he's such a such a small role, but he's absolutely perfect in uh uh inside man yes yes oh jesus christ so this was like the, the one man Oof. yeah the man okay uh so i do remember like that you know they're obviously burning her alive and shit right in but, front of him yeah but you know when he uh even though it's really cool looking when she when he looks at her like destroyed burnt skeleton that just kind of crumbles in her hands 
or in his hands and he uh but technically that would have to burn a lot brighter and a lot hotter, hotter. in order to oh, get yeah, that yeah. effect but i, I don't thought care that too. <laughs> uh yeah hey, so, willing, willing suspension of disbelief man oh you kid yeah totally i mean it's and it's so much more visually stunning but uh yeah watching that for the first time i'm like yeah it kind of took me out of it but then upon retrospect i don't care this is fucking trippy crazy man that's awful and the fact that there's no sound too just makes it a little bit all the more powerful and and create and just disturbing it's more is profound the word I'm looking for yeah <laughs> Look at that okay. weirdo. Yeah, yeah okay, dude. Guy's... You're having a little little too much fun here. <laughs> At least the daughter always had the uh, the 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 proper stuff to be kind of horrified. Cuz you know, as the movie goes on, her character is always it, there's always like a subtext in the subtle nuances that I've seen her bring to the character that she always feels a little hesitant like there's this one little tiny voice in the back of her head like this family is fucked up and i can't right. and i don't want to be a part of this and cause... and i think you know i i honestly wonder uh if they just didn't establish her as the actual daughter for a reason or not but you know that plays so much more sensical to me like oh she's the daughter she's been raised in this she doesn't know otherwise like, that's it, why she's still here. Yeah, I mean, for me, it does... Personally, it doesn't add too much, because, again, it's such a minor character. Right. Um, I, I, but, it adds a little. I didn't say it was, like, groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah totally. It, it adds just a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, upon retrospect, it's not really needed, because it's all about... It really is, at the end of the day, a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. And this performance is just so heartbreaking. It is. And I also even love the, the attention to detail in the makeup, not just with the sweat and the blood and the tears, but the fact that they even went out of their way to even give him these gigantic uh, armpit stains I know. as well. <laughs> like, that's something you never, ever want to do on your main star, but for some reason it just works so beautifully. Well, and I after mean, all he, that... It, he's just a real person like that's kind of the point like yeah he's this burly working man and it's like yeah that that makes all the sense in the world yep and after all that horse shit all that insanity and mindless violence they just decide to fuck off and you would think that they they would just you know kill nicholas cage too no they like just slit his like, just right. slit his throat while he's tied there. So, you know, because, you know, the old saying, dead men tell no tales. But they just decided to leave him, and what a stupid-ass idea was that. Well, and, and that's the more interesting thing. Like, with that twin, they were leaving him behind, and they literally told him, wait till he's dead, burn the place down, come find us. Then you'll fully be one of us. And then they're joking on the, like, as they're going away, that he's too stupid to ever find them. So, like, there's this wow. whole thing where, like, yeah, like, there, and I personally would have liked it just because he is apparently in the script, he had killed that 
twin with like garden shears and I'm like through the clavicle that I'm like, well, that would have been beautiful. Yeah. And well, it would have just shown him how sadistic Jeremiah really is. Maybe right? it's in that uncut. I'm going to find out really quick while we're. Oh yeah. yeah you're, you're I, I, I am rather curious. I'm like, Oh, there's a, a director's cut of this. I wonder what that does. Oh, this where he slides his wrists out of the barbed wire. I mean, look at look at the pain uh, on his face. It's just like, oh. It's just deleted scenes, I guess. They've got a, a section of deleted scenes on there, on Shutter. Mm. That's probably what it is. Again, kind of playing into that Christ imagery, because it does. Because when he when they put the uh, the the barbed wire like that in those circles above his head, it actually does kind of look like the crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this moment here where she's just kind of ashes, you're like, yeah, that needed to burn a lot hotter. <laughs> there would still be like a, a ch there would just be like a charred chunk of flesh at that point. Yeah. And not just a pile of ashes. They might have uh, used like their, their cult powers to burn her more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like <laughs> using fire from the underworld. Right. Yeah, but who, but I it, I don't really care because again this works. image right here of her hol holding what's left of her head and it just kind of crumbles yeah. and it with almost nothing. Oh Jesus! That one tear. Yes, it's that's what we call in Hollywood the beautiful cry, just the single tear. Oh, I love that. And uh, don't you just love that even though the rest of her body got burnt to a cinder, you can still kind of make out her eyelashes? Face. Yeah, uh, yeah. The... <laughs> That's a little bit of Terminator 2 right there. Right. Mm. The nuclear fire, so to speak. I like the light in here. Yeah, yeah. Little bit of a touch of green along with the uh, the the kind of Dutch lighting of the the, the orange. Okay, and then this this is probably one of the strangest shifts in tone, but for some reason it just gets a huge laugh for me. I was just in his the underwear. <laughs> the no, the cheddar goblins. <laughs> the cheddar goblins. Oh my god, I want a prop box of cheddar goblins to have like on my shelf <laughs> that is because it's such a weird thing and it's so I, I love the way you know he looks around when he first comes back in like i don't remember life i don't remember anything i died and now i'm not quite back but yeah. <laughs> I think that's the shirt she this? had on when she died, though. That was that's a that's a yeah. A thought like, yeah. There. Well, that's just it. It's like she had that on uh, when she was like <laughs> like drugged up and sitting there. Yep. And then we just next she's in a bag and we don't see the transition. Why is the goblin puking up mac and cheese? And why are the children enjoying it? <laughs> <laughs> Even the sound design of that shit. Okay, do you know what's funny? They actually got the guy who did too many cooks to direct that commercial. 
Which makes so much goddamn sense. He's <laughs> like, like, what the hell? <laughs> and then, of course, this is all just a test of the emergency broadcasting system. Just so they could have that, you know, deadline, or uh, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? Vital dead sign. Yeah. That, that, De- that sound effect. That sound effect. And then we get our first little bit of animation, which I thought was awesome, because uh, yeah, this this because I know you know the uh, uh, Cosmatos was heavily inspired by the movie uh, Heavy Metal, which this kind of shows. But really, actually, the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this kind of shit was uh, uh, Ralph Basky's work. Okay, now here it is, the shot. <laughs> Hands down, probably one of the most uncaged bits you'll ever watch. Yeah, because this is the moment where I was like, oh, so he's like a repressed alcoholic. And this is the point where he's just like, fuck everything. Like, that gas station scene was so important to establishing that kind of stuff. And you're just like, why was that not put in here? I don't know, man. But I do have a question for the both of you. How much money are you willing to bet that that's actual vodka? Oh, <laughs> probably. Because man, if you hear about the stories about him and like leaving or leaving Las Vegas, it gets nuts. But so it <laughs> does not shock me in any way, shape, or form that that's actual vodka. Because look at this. God, it's Release the beast. <laughs> I, it's amazing. Poor I know this is like a horror. <laughs> I love that, Nick. He screams and he's interrupted by another shot. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. It's done in one take, this extremely long angle. And it's just so... I know this is a really low point for him, but God, it comes off as so funny. This shot is the epitome of 2020 <laughs> this is 2020 where we it just 2020 we walk into the bedroom we walk into the bathroom unsure of what the hell we're processing here pull out our emergency vodka and just scream into the abyss <laughs> i do that on yeah. a daily basis <laughs> and i also love the touch of the tiger shirt where he's literally unleashing his inner tiger by just screaming into <laughs> and later we release the actual tiger <laughs> i know right that's lizzie <laughs> also really love the fuck off little bit on the uh, the the door and then we got bill duke he, apparently he didn't die by the predator because <laughs> clearly this guy's been from the Nam. Because this, like, you know, the fact that they have him in, like, you know, a lot of uh, military stuff, and he's also got the old army jacket and whatnot. So it's implied that he and him were in Vietnam together. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I also love if you look real closely behind Nicolas Cage on the shelf, you can see some fucking cheddar goblins. 
they over. really got their money's worth with those cheddar goblins. Yum. <laughs> but yeah, man, I like to think that, you know, Bill Duke didn't die in Predator. It was just an off-camera thing where he actually escaped and lost all of his sanity and wound up working not only with um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, but also with Nick Cage and Nam. <laughs> Bill Duke and uh, Nicolas Cage in a Vietnam movie. That would have been something else. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. That dog's like, what's up? Oh, and this, this line right here. This line is kind of how I process the whole movie. There was like, a lot more funny banter here, though, in the script. Like, two arrows? What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Shove them up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, just this is seriously just Nicolas Cage reacting to the movie. <laughs> like, this is all of us reacting to the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is so. This is where we get our only real set of uh, scene of exposition where we talk about how the, the crazy black riders are. And I also love how he just says they're into they're talking some weird shit. Oh yeah. Yeah <laughs> man. See, that's what I kind of figured. They just kind of got lucky and they have a mutual acquaintance with the uh, the chemist. Mm. <laughs> I love how fucking nuts that twitch of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Pickles. <laughs> Don't be negative. <laughs> Such a good line. I know, right? I really, you're right. You know, because like that, I think about it. I'd really love to have more of that absurd dialogue, just to kind of have this perfect balance of truly psychedelic horror that's unnerving and disturbing and feels really earnest, but it's also counterpointed with these really fucked up imagery and banter and then of course okay this bit right here uh so my fiance katie has ever said if someone ever uh winds up murdering her for somewhat weird reason i need to do this and make and forge in the bowels of someone's basement a giant metal revenge sword oh i'm sure you would Oh, I totally would. <laughs> I will learn the skills necessary to create the most badass revenge act battle axe ever conceived. Because this shit is nuts. But you know Look what would make this. it even better? What's that? 
if there's more than one perpetrator, you kill one first and you temper it in their blood. Oh, Ooh. hell yeah. There you go. That just makes it all the more symbolic. Because look at this shit. I, the, the fact that we're getting a fucking revenge battle axe in the most crazy metal uh, design ever. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I actually read that uh, uh, the design of the, uh, the, the, the revenge sword or battle axe or whatever the fuck you want to call it is actually a tribute to a, a metal band called, uh, um, uh, oh, what was it? Um, oh, it was like a Celtic metal band. But I, I forget. But anyway, here's our big title drop. Because we are now an hour and 15 in, and we finally get the most nutty, insane title drop. I've seen it in a long time. You know, you know what, Tim? Given your uh, proclivities for props, I'm surprised you're not after one of those. Dude, for real though, I would get me one of a replica of the the Mandy battle axe sword and hang it up on my wall. Like hell yeah! Because uh, I've I've always been the one who are you know, Katie always said we got to have like a big weapon collection on the wall. She gets the swords, I get the guns. Oh, in this case, I love how we're actually... He's actually hunting with a crossbow. That's alright. Which, which honestly is just more visceral, I think, than he, any conceivable gun that they could have gotten, you know? One down. He just took out a Cenobite. In a world... Where Nicolas Cage takes more drugs than he ever took before. After they murdered his wife and or girlfriend. We don't quite know. The plot isn't clear, but who cares? We're going to watch him go on a 45-minute orgy smorgasbord of revenge in the deep, dark woods this summer. Nicholas Cage is out to revenge for Mandy. <laughs> this whole movie just screams like shitty, cheesy grindhouse movies. Yeah. Oh, and now we get another bit for our animation, because now we're going and talking about those weird, ethereal kind of alien planet vibes. And again, now, because, Sean, I know you're a little bit more into this than I might be, but did you actually get, like, you know, Ralph Basky vibes when watching these animation sequences? Um, Or was there something I, else, like, that you were thinking of? I I honestly can't can't speak to that. Because that's, that's, that was kind of the first thing to come to mind for me, because I've seen a couple of his stuff. Um but uh, he, he also said heavy metal was kind of a big influence on him. Uh, I still haven't seen that one, sadly. I, I really need to. It's, it's on I my have, very long list. I have not seen uh, heavy metal. Like, I mean, I, I like the art direction here, but I cannot think of other stuff I've seen using this kind of art, art direction. Okay. Right so I, I'm just kind of like, meh. It's like, uh, I like what they did with the animation, but I, it yeah. does not bring to mind anything else I've seen 
uh, animation wise. It's it's in a kind of a category of its own. I guess because you know movies, at least from what I've been told, because uh, uh, again Dan Gill, who, who introduced me to this one, uh, was also way deep into movies like heavy metal and the works of Ralph Baskey. Um, so he's told me quite a bit about it. I've already done my little bit of reading. I haven't seen a whole lot of them, but again, it did kind of call to that. So now we get some more Jesus imagery with, uh, uh, fucking nail through the, uh, through the hand and nailed him to the floor. Uh, is, is this like a weird, like, um, demo reel for Nicolas Cage to play Jesus one day? <laughs> Because yes. I think he's a little old at this point <laughs> to be playing Jesus. But I also do love that it's kind of uh, also kind of a, a, a weird homage, either intentional or unintentional. It kind of is, but it makes me think of Saw. Yeah. Mm. You know, between the, the kind of grayish green lighting and it's in yeah. a concrete room and, you know, the... And the, uh, the 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 old school heating vent—it's it's all very saw. Although this guy's straight up pinhead without the pins, right? And apparently voiced by Andy Circus. It's okay, Nicolas Cage. We, we, we're all we're all in this together, you know. Except when we're not. <sighs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah! Send him back to the underworld. Right. <laughs> all right. Very carefully now. Man, his hands have been getting fucked up through this movie. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Oh, man. I bet Eli Roth would really love this movie. <laughs> I bet Eli Roth has lived this movie. Probably. <laughs> man, he... He's he's kind of yeah, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, uh, you know, respect him or hate him or any. I don't know. He's just such a weird, weird all, guy. All I me. all I ever think about every time I hear Eli Roth is that I wish Adam Sandler had been available. <laughs> all right, now we gotta go. So now that we've gotten out of the basement. Because we haven't really established where the fuck we are. Because we had a car crash and then it just fade to black and there he is. And apparently they're uh, in the home of some uh, some people they just invaded and fucked up kill and, and killed. Just for funsies. Well, and took over, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They don't even bother to move the body. Although it looks like a fresh kill to me. Like they could have just moved in that night. For all we know, um, but yeah, apparently there's more than one of them, and <laughs> man, this movie just knows how to balance the absurd humor and the 
truly disturbing. And I don't know how they're able to really make you laugh from disturbing imagery. I, I don't know if that's what they were going for or if it's just unintentional. Because when I see shit like this... <laughs> I'm just like going back just a second. I love the double take he did on that dark room when he was searching through the house. Like, up, oh, I'm gonna yeah. double check. I can't see too well there. But you know, this giant pile of cocaine that he's huffing and puffing, <laughs> watching this <laughs> shitty porn movie in the dark. It's just like with a knife the... erection. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's weird. It's just like, I don't know how they're able to balance the sense of truly disturbing and grotesque imagery with absurd humor. And I don't know if that's the intention either. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Porn still going on in the background too. I know, and it's and I love how it's the same loop over and over. But but like again, I'm just highly. I'm like, why why the knife erection? Because reasons. But look at this shit. Look at this face. I love face. that. I... <laughs> it's like he ejaculated blood all over his face. This was this is absolutely one of my favorite moments of the whole film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where Nicolas Cage does this shit. <laughs> He's just laughing oh, after the fact, like, You're in my shit! <laughs> 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 oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That whip zoom into that face. Pitch perfect, dude. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> And then he just does all of the drugs. <laughs> Christ alive. It's almost to the point where you actually have to kind of question, given Nick Nicolas Cage's character, not just his character in this movie, but him and him as a person. You're like, did they use real drugs and booze for this shit? Because, oh my God, why? <laughs> And then he finds his revenge sword and all of his ammunition. Revenge his army sword. Bag. Oh yeah, that's that's what I love to call it. Or uh, I, the I battle think, axe uh, of uh, either that or uh, I think uh, my fiance Katie uh, she she, uh, she called it the most insane metal dildo ever conceived of. <laughs> it could be a metal dildo. I can see that. Anything's a dildo if you're brave enough. <laughs> also if you're weird enough any store is a sex toy store right. there you go <laughs> and then this part here where he just so he found his his crossbow he's got his ammo and he's got his sword everything's ready this guy's super fucked up on cocaine but just when you think we can go a little bit further Let's get a jar of the crazy weird shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't and remember I that love, part. And I also love the sound of, like, the cicadas. I mean, if you're going to go off the rails, yeah, go off the rails. <laughs> Surprised he didn't just and, snort it. No, see, you really shouldn't even stick your finger in it because your skin would have it enough. But the fact that he <laughs> licks it. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to have a melting face. Hey, Sean, this is the second melting face that we've seen on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The drugs, the makeup. I mean, you can see right here, like, clearly his eyes are fully dilated. Yeah, they are. And I'm 90% sure that's an in-camera thing. That's not, like, a visual effect. And that is why he can completely go off the chain now. (laughs) (laughs) It was at that moment, like, it was, like, at this moment where, like, after that, that great crescendo finally dropped down. And I saw this shot here, and I'm like, wow, Dan, you were right. Nicolas Cage is crazier than ever before. Because I've seen some fucking great uh, uncaged moments for him. Um, You know, both within context of movies that I've seen and, you know, just random clips that you tend to pick up on. Uh, But, yeah, I'd never seen anything quite like this. (laughs) I just shot him through the throat and he's just pulling it out like it's no thing. (laughs) Christ almighty. <laughs> this is the kind of crazy fun shit you watch in Halloween, man. <laughs> and now we get another... And Okay, so probably... So we've seen some pretty spectacular kills throughout the movie, but uh, even though, you know, obviously they tend... You know, movies tend to save, like, the best kill for last. Uh, actually... This is probably my favorite Nicolas Cage kill I've ever seen. Because uh, uh, this is probably my favorite, because just the way that it ends. And I'll get there, <laughs> and it'll be there when we get there. But uh, the way he finishes his opponent, it's, it's amazing. Him. Mortal Kombat! get over here (laughs) oh my god i kind of wish that he did have like a a chain with like a mace in it to pull nicholas cage in that would have been amazing it just embraces the whole like insanity of all of this kill him kill him use the fire Also, can we just mention, like, talk about how the fire, just the fact that this lit scene is lit only with the car fire adds so much to this? Yeah, right. it, it, it really is a nice visual touch to the scene. Oh, that's so cool. Yes, use the fire. <laughs> Who's still burning now, bitch? He should pee on him now. No, just... <laughs> he should... Oh my god! Whoa. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so, great kill, right? Burns him alive and then decapitates him with the most amazing Nicolas Cage screen ever. But this is why this scene is my favorite bit. He takes a cigarette... And lights it from the burning, decapitated <laughs> skull of his victim. How amazing is that? 
It's pretty rad. <laughs> like, dude, can you imagine I mean, just it's, writing it's great, that on but the page? What's even better is like before he even picks up the cigarette, like eyes wide, just like. <laughs> <laughs> and right here, this is the profile for where we are in 2020. Exactly. <laughs> We have seen things. But... And, 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 and you, you do make a good point, though. It's like, he goes to the head. There's a giant fire behind him. No bending over necessary, but no, head. Yeah. Yeah. To light, it, it's the satisfaction of lighting a cigarette of your j freshly decapitated burning skull of your victim. <laughs> like, that's just, oh, I love it. I love how his eyes are lit there. It's like just the yeah. eyes. Yeah, man. Because he's got his crazy to... eyes going on right now. Yes, and now we get to enter the uh, the layer of the chemist. And also, don't you just love the fact that he is handling these chemicals without gloves? And all of the <laughs> chemicals are getting absorbed constantly into his skin. So he's always super stoned. Now I feel right here is like a little homage to uh, Man with the Golden Gun. From, you know, the classic James Bond villain. See, that that shot from behind reminds me of Willem Dafoe. A little bit, a little bit. He's kind of got the same, like, weird dr bone structure. But I also love how he turns off the cassette player. Like, that's just a cool, like, weird ethereal thing going. Oh. And also, like, we mentioned that, you know, we have one veteran of uh, Batman Begins in this movie, uh, uh, you know, playing Jeremiah. But this guy, if you guys, you know, recognize him, he plays Joe Chill, the guy who murders uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. Yep. Oh, dude, don't. Dude, like. Aren't you high enough? <laughs> and dude, this portrait, again, this portrait of Nicolas Cage is just everyone right now. <laughs> Surprised he isn't right off on that tiger. Oh, and I love his, that in, the introduction of the, uh, the tiger. He's like, that's Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Lizzie was suppo originally supposed to be an iguana. You know, because, you know, like... Lizzie being lizard. Right. Um, and then literally at the last minute, just as the guy uh, walked on set, uh, Cosmatos looked at him and he was like, uh, yeah, so Lizzie's a tiger now. <laughs> I, I really want to know what the reaction to that was. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Just ask, ask the guy who, uh, who plays the chemist here. Just going to, you know, let loose our tiger. Baskin. Oh yeah! Oh shit! So is this the where Carol Baskin gets her drugs from? Probably. <laughs> oh my god! This is this is the, like, do they know Joe Exotic now? Oh my god! What an amazing stupid crossover that would be. <laughs> I actually do like the fact that uh, they make the chemist actually kind of sympathetic. Like, he's like, oh, dude, I am so sorry these guys fucking fucked your shit up. He's you like, know? I'm just selling drugs, man. I'm sorry. You know, and he's like, you know what? Here, I'll tell you where they are. 
and you can do with me what you will. Well, and he just kind of leaves him. And it also kind of tracks for the for the character in my mind because when you if you know any people who are just way into drugs, like they're they're into drugs, like they're not into a crazy other trip. Yeah. So these people doing like the, these awful things on drugs, he's just like that. That's not cool. Right. Mm-hmm. I do love this effect where he just kind of looks straight up into the light, and you hear this. That's so cool. It's so simple, but it's so cool. (laughs) And of course, like the whole tiger t-shirt that, you know, Nicolas Cage wore in the bathroom. Nice little, little foreshadowing for this, this scene. You know what? With you getting me thinking, it's just like, you know, them tapping a couple of the actors who were in, uh, you know, Batman Begins. They're just kind of like, this is also an origin revenge story. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Except uh, w- on way more drugs. Well, uh, you actually, no, it's not really. Because Batman Begins trip balls in the mountains. <laughs> like, holy shit. There's like a whole little analogy of Batman Begins and Mandy that you can do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. He even forges his own weapons, just like he did in the Batcave. Right. Holy shit! So there's there might be a lot more to more uh, Batman <laughs> Begins parallels that I was led to believe. How awesome is that? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this is just if Batman just had no money. Right. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's also really weird. What if Batman was middle-aged and insane? Yeah, middle-aged, insane, and on all the drugs and booze. Uh, And it's also funny because, you know what, maybe this is Nicolas Cage's reaction to be like, you know, I didn't get to play Superman in the 90s, and I missed out (laughs) on being Batman. So I'm going to be Batman, but I'm not going to be Batman. I'm going to do the artistic you know, I'll be my own we, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and we have our third animated segment, which I still have no idea what the hell this image or the, 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 the creature is supposed to be. I feel like maybe it's a representation of the uh, uh, the tiger. But hey, look there. She's got kryptonite. Because <laughs> as we know, Nicolas Cage was supposed to be Superman back in the day. Right. You sobered up yet? He's not sobered up. He's not. <laughs> He's so not. Oh, look. It's it's Lizzie, too. <laughs> happy <laughs> lizard. I even, I even love how it kind of does have that happy, smiley face on him. Like, how you doing, champ? It should have talked to him. That would have been even cooler. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> just, ha- just have him go, how you doing, champ? A little Bob Ross kind of voice for some reason. Oh, this shot here. This is like the most amazing use of like telephoto or the, 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 the dolly zoom effect I've seen in a while. Like, look at this shit. Like, that was so cool when I saw that the first time. I'm like, wow, 
how did they do that crazy dolly zoom to such effect and then zoom back in? Like, that was nuts. It's a trap! <laughs> a little bit of... He just stayed in there a la Mike, Michael Myers. Yeah, get him, Nicolas Cage. Get him. Uh, he just wastes no time with this shit, man. <laughs> oh, I love this shit. Shut your fucking pie hole. <laughs> Suck my battle sword. <laughs> <laughs> Choke on it, bitch. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I like it's the such Highlander a... line right there. Right? But I just love that how poetic, how, like, uh, delightfully gory and poetic it is a way to say shut the hell up mm-hmm and again i like, like the implied eye contact a... the whole time too yeah because again they kind of play you know sympathy to the that character because throughout her whole performance even though she says almost like barely anything i've always like you know you could almost hear the the uh the the tiny voice of reason in the back of her head you know that all this is wrong and yet at the same time you're not entirely sure that she's also horrified at the events of not what her family's doing but of what nick cage is doing well i mean you know? if you're raised like that you don't really know the difference you can know the difference but also not do you know what i mean yeah i know but the fact that you uh, uh her performance and her just subtle facial twitch uh, mm -hmm. twitches that you're not sure so which one is right. great. I really oh, love this. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's just because like it's it's so perfect for that character. Totally. And then we get probably the most fun reveal. I actually remember uh just sitting up in disbelief and joy, utter like uncontained uh jittery joy with this scene because i'm like oh shit we're gonna get a chainsaw we're gonna do some fucking texas chainsaw massacre to this bitch oh hell yeah let's really go old school 70s grindhouse gritty nitty gory but, fun. i mean like they had to film this in one night yeah man i heard uh like uh cosmatos like, was like this this scene was a bitch and a half to shoot but it's so worth it because this this reveal that's coming up, I can't stress just how much fun I I and how giddy <laughs> I got because he looks like he's like I'm here for a showdown. <laughs> he does this shit where he pulls out yet another chainsaw. 
but it's comically big. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Are we getting a, for real a chainsaw sword fight? This is amazing. I He's never like, asked for this. Than yours. You compensating for something? But it's like, oh, oh you're you're set up for redwoods. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> this is just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Uh Cages just... has more girth though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not it's not the size, mates. It's how you use it. But holy shit, a, a chainsaw sword fight? That's something I never would have thought of, and I was—I never asked to see this in a grindhouse movie. But I am so glad that they thought of this, because oh yeah, I mean, hundred percent here for this. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like, and I know that they said that they were had like a bitch of a time to get this filmed, and I still want to know how they were able to choreograph and film this safely and whatnot. But, uh. I still, still, it's just like, god damn. Oh, here it goes. This looks so much fun. <laughs> Way too much fun <laughs> to admit. Because, man, uh, just on the page, it sounds amazing. But when it's rendered in this fashion, oh my god. I and it's not enough to have... Yeah, go ahead. Typically, the one of the biggest fails in movies is if the chainsaw falls it's still like spinning once yeah. your hands off of it, it it the safety's like it won't run if you yeah if but you're it's not, not as cool it. yeah i i know <laughs> oh yes oh the blood and the chain <laughs> fuck yeah I actually almost wanted Nicolas Cage, as much as I love that just smash cut, um, I almost wanted Nick Cage to say, like, a stupid one-liner there. Right. Oh, man. I feel like he's done a lot of uh, little battles to get to the boss fight. It almost yeah, feels like a video it, game. That's, that's kind of what this whole movie... That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. This whole movie was building up to, like, you know, it's just like, a, you know, sort of a la Kill Bill, where it's mm -hmm. just a series of different boss battles to get back to the ultimate boss. The Which ultimate I also find kill. it... I really find the, uh, the fact that they're set up in a church like this, and I'm like... You're using demon tools. Right? I know, like, right? I get you're a little, like, Jesus-obsessed because you think he spoke to you, but I don't think he's down with the demon tools. Probably uh... not. <laughs> it actually would have been even more poetic if it was the upside-down cross. Oh. Uh, maybe. I don't. I don't actually buy that one. Probably, I guess, because I mean, let's the just be honest. The Upside Down Cross has more associations with uh, Catholicism than it does with any, actually, anti-Christian groups. That's very true. And plus, at the same time, it just, vi visually, it just looks so cool. There should have just been a painting <laughs> of Jim Morrison on the, on the wall. Right? <laughs> right? With his arms spread out, like... I'm the lizard well, king. Well, but no, no, because see, <laughs> he cannot acknowledge any other musicians. Oh, yeah. He's better than them. Forgot. Like, you can't have that. No. <laughs> Maybe have uh, uh, mock posters of them 
were there vandalized uh, posters of no better. Icons. It should be posters of himself. Yes. Just like his face, like just copied and pasted onto, <laughs> onto Jim funny. Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and yeah. all these people. Oh my god, that would that actually would have been kind of funny because it does like reinforce this whole fuckboy arc. <laughs> and now we get into the deep dark depths. And oh my god, okay, so this this is just me like realizing this for the first time, but that palm tree mural in the background it actually kind of reminds me of uh the mural background in scarface mm. Mm. where you know uh where tony montana is in a sling and he essentially claims his empire for his own like you remember that scene yeah it's been forever yeah. since i've seen it i can't place the palm trees but yeah also a movie featuring a chainsaw yeah, and taking place in 1983. It's Batman meets Scarface on drugs. It's so many things, isn't it? <laughs> that's the that's the that's the real I, genius of this movie. I always found her entire approach here just hilarious. Oh really? Oh yeah. Because I remember you, like you know, in preparation for the episode, was like, I'm gonna rip into this movie so fucking hard. I'm actually still kind of waiting for you to rip into it because I feel like you're having well, a lot more it's fun. it's really all the opening. And the whole opening, uh, I had a very different viewpoint of it after reading the script. I feel that the, you know, it's just like, it, it's so slow. The pacing for the opening is just terrible and it doesn't actually establish stuff. The, the, that missing scene would have helped. And the mm -hmm. first half of it could have been cut down to about a half hour, for real. They could have summed, they could have built enough with that opening it just, it was very slow. Very, yeah. very... And, I mean, look, I'll, I've always told you, even when I have issues, I'll acknowledge that the movie does well. There's a lot of visuals and stuff to enjoy, but the pacing is so slow. It's such a slow build that it's like, it doesn't really engage you. Uh, it's, it's a little more engaging now that I've watched the rest of it to try and look for, for, for clues and the ways that they were doing stuff to, like, forecast things later, like yep. foreshadow. So that that made it a bit more engaging on the second watch through, but the first watch through was just like, uh. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, but I mean, but dude, I love a good revenge trip. So like, once the revenge trip starts, I'm in. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost to the point where we're all, as viewers and fans of Nicolas Cage, going fucking batshit nuts. It's like we're kind of greedy children who want yeah. just more of that. We want to see it now. <laughs> more. More Nicolas Cage batshit craziness. <laughs> and we're about to get some right here, because here's our big boss fight. And I love how pathetic he is to try to beg for mercy. Right. <laughs> but still, he still tries so hard to be this godlike messiah figure. And he's like, yeah, I'm better than you. You're just jealous. And I also do love the, the lighting, how it fades in and out. So you can, instead of, you don't always have to cut back and forth. Right. You can literally fade from one shot to the other. Because, um, again, they do cut. Uh, and they don't always, you know, just fade back and forth. Because that just kind of gets monotonous. 
Right. But they change it up enough where it's the whole feel, thing feels fresh. And I do love this bit here. <laughs> I almost feel like when I see that, I almost feel like it's kind of like a heart beating in a sense. You might be right, because doesn't it... The way like, the fit... Ba-boom. And it almost picks up a little bit, like he's getting more nervous. Okay, crazy boy. You about to die. Yep. I love, I love the entire interaction here. I know, right? Like, as soon as he lays a hand on him, he's like, No, please! And he's still trying to grasp at this power, and he's failing so horribly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree this is kind of how we want to see Donald Trump die. Okay. You know what's funny, though? So, what if Nicholas Cage said, okay, suck it? Like, that, that'd be a completely weird. That would be a little Tarantino, <laughs> wouldn't it be? Yeah. Because I know that Tarantino did the same thing in Hateful Eight. God's gift. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I actually I actually love this line right here. This is amazing. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I'm your god now. So good. Remind uh, me of the Batman swear to me. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> And you almost believe that Nicolas Cage could totally crush, crush his skull with his <laughs> bare hands, considering oh, just could. how much drugs he's on. <laughs> it just gives him, like, this crazy superhuman strength that pops his eyeball right out of his skull and everything. Right. It's just like... It is done. Oh, man. So satisfying and so good. And, of course, of course. <laughs> just light the whole shit on fire. It's really the best way. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Burn it from the ground down and inside out. Oh, how man, how could you ever fight. recover after something like that? Go back to regular life. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, I think it's also poetic because the only other time we really see the lighter is when Mandy picks it up. So it's like he's finally burning it all down with her yep. lighter. Yes, like that's it's like I took awesome. I took her possession and I am using it to like enact the final revenge and cleanse the world of this filth. That's yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, and the burning cross and the the the. The fact that they burnt down the entire set. Fucking hell yeah. That's some what hellfire shit. What else are you going to do with it afterwards? <laughs> That's some hellfire shit right there, man. You almost expect Tony J to start singing 
<laughs> and again, the grain adds such an awesome texture to the flames that really give it that underworld, supernatural kind of look to it. Um, and plus, you can tell that they're uh, they're overcranking the images, so you know you can do right. some slow motion effect. And along with the collapse. Oh, so good. And you know what? I'm so glad this. I just realized because, you know, now I just think of Rorschach from Watchmen, you know, burning the uh, uh, the building down inside of the, with his victims still inside and just watching it for an hour um, methodically and cathartically. And I just realized, man, I am so glad this movie does not have a voiceover. Yeah. Because you can imagine this movie could have easily had like a very droning and dark kind of ethereal voiceover from Nicolas Cage. And honestly, that would have taken so much of it away because, you know, yeah. it's, it's. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't think there should have been a voiceover and definitely not Nicolas Cage's. However, mm -hmm. I could definitely see a world where a voiceover could work, but you would have to get somebody else completely like, I mean, just just follow me here. Just picture Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I knew you were going with that. Right, but, 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 but follow me here. But like being a demon, like not using quite his normal stoic removed voice, but like speaking like a demon who is like writing Nicolas Cage. Ooh, that like that kind of voiceover could kick. I'm I played God once. Now I'm going to the other side. <laughs> I'm going to the other side. And I do love this shot right here coming up where, you know, Mandy's finally with him in the car driving away from this. She's there in spirit. But this shot right here yeah. was so fucking funny and removed that I burst out <laughs> laughing. But it was really the when it cuts back to him, because we got this shot here, and then it cuts back to him with this like crazy smile. <laughs> that <laughs> I actually had, I burst out laughing in the best way possible seeing that shot. And as a matter of fact, I took that screenshot and I used that as a meme. I had you know a nice a nice a nice like normal portrait of Nicolas Cage. Me at the beginning of the holiday season. And then cut to that. Me at the end of the holiday season. <laughs> Is that for the thumbnail for this? That shot. Yeah, like, I know, right? How many people would watch this movie if that was the thumbnail for it? Like, man. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> then we cut to the otherworldly shit that we've been See, seeing in the, that uh, makes me wonder, the animation. Were we even on Earth at all? Like, we don't know I that think... it was Earth. I well, yeah, because we the setting is an actual place. Those mountains exist. Yeah. So I think we actually were, but after that... But, you know, he's on of... so many drugs, and they're always talking about the planets and the influence. It's just like, he has left this realm. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that, that, you know, in the sense that he's completed his mission, and but based on his the horrifying and traumatic experience... Uh, he can no longer go back to Earth, but instead he can go back to Mandy's world. 
the one that she spoke of, which is why we see that ethereal kind of alien atmosphere and landscape at the end, is that he's no longer going to go back to our realm, but to hers. He's probably going to crawl off and die. He's got a lot of wounds. Probably. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I was pretty shocked that they had him running uh, as much as he was, given the the stab wound at that one point. You're just like, oh, okay, all right, well, okay. For all we know he died, and none of that happened. It's possible, but I feel like that's just a lame cop out, yeah. <laughs> story wise. Like, if that was the real thing, like, if that was all just like a you know a final wish, like, no, or just his trip. I guess <laughs> you know. But, uh, oh, yeah, here we go. The Cheddar Goblin, <laughs> based on an idea by Panos Cosmatos and written directed by Casper uh, 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 Kelly, who also, like I said, he did Too Many Cooks from Adult Swim, if you all remember that. I don't. Um, oh, you don't? Oh, my God. Okay, I'll link it in the description for you. Not just you guys, but for also you listeners, because Too Many Cooks is an Adult Swim sh independent short that is basically an 11 minute extended um parody mock-up of every 80s sit uh sitcom opening ever uh but it's clearly on a bad drug trip <laughs> and it lasts 11 minutes instead of like you know 30 seconds as it always does at the beginning of each movie but uh yeah check out too many cooks man because it's it's fucking weird. It's Adult Swim, so what do you expect? Right. Uh, but, yeah, man, Too Many Cooks is was fucking weird. And when you find out that the guy who directed that also did the Cheddar Goblin commercial, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it all makes sense now. Ah, <laughs> oh, it came back around. <laughs> I know, right? So, uh, like, yeah, man, like, so, Sean, I want to know, like, how's, how, has this changed anything on the second time around? Um, a bit, and again, I, I think a lot of it has to do with watching it with people, and not only watching it with people, but watching it with people who had already seen it. Yeah, because, you know, that's, um, it's one of those movies that I think is, it's kind of like Robert Rodriguez's, like, grindhouse exploitation movies. It's not really great watching it alone, but when you're watching it in a theater full of people, or with your kind of half-drunken friends, it's amazing. Well, that initial pacing is just so brutal but having someone else to discuss the art direction and what's going on with yeah. makes it bearable. Right. And, and like, that's obviously rude to do the first time you're watching a movie to an extent and obviously in the theater. So it's like, Oh, we've seen this. We're watching it again. Now I can talk about all this. Now I can engage with it on this other level. That makes it work better for me. Uh, I mean, that opening is just, I mean, once it goes into the revenge side of things, I, I loved it. Like, there were so many moments where I was like, that's fantastic. There's a level of humor there, but it's this really dark and weird twisted humor, so you don't even know if you should laugh. Yeah, yep. I feel and... like, I mean, it just, it took too much time getting to the cult people, I feel. like You know what I'm saying? Like, I, once Mandy's actually captured by them, that's when it picks up for me. Okay. Yeah. But all that crap at the beginning, it just, I, I don't know, it just took a, and it's not like they really did a lot of, if, if they used that portion of time to tell a lot of backstory stuff, that would make sense, but they didn't. Yeah. It just felt like it took a long time to get there. 
again, we're just really greedy for the batshit crazy stuff. I know. <laughs> well, we are, but again, at the same time, they, they spent a lot of time establishing, you know, the connection between him and Mandy, which it's like, okay, I understand why that's important, but you probably could have narrowed down or cut down one of those, like, scenes or yes. something, put that, you know, uh, interaction at the, um, at the, with the sheriff back in to establish their backstories it doesn't even necessarily have to be, um, you know, the full scene that I read where he's insulting, you know, Mandy and stuff. But it's like at least establishing that, you know, this guy's an alcoholic. Or recovering like putting, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like putting some perspective in that makes things a little clearer later. Uh, I think that just would have been highly beneficial. And, you know, it's like that way you could still keep your runtime, but you have a bit more of an interactive scene. It It helps the pacing a little bit. There's not so much of this just intense relationship build with crazy visuals. Like right. I, I think that little bit would have helped. I, I would have liked to have known, because I didn't know any of this beforehand, but like maybe Mandy was the town whore, he was a drunk, and they both kind of like saved each other. I would have liked to have I, known that kind of yeah. backstory. That would have made that would have made yeah. sense about their relationship. Yeah, I just don't like the idea of labeling Mandy as, like, the, the, the trash person. Like, it just, it feels so degrading, especially in well, movies see, that I are... Think, I think that adds an element, even, because, follow me here, He this guy picks her as so special. Right. Like this, as, like, she's amazing, she's special, she's awesome. And I think that adds a power. And then, though, when she, when they, when Mandy rejects him... That's when they revert to the same kind of name calling that she was then called earlier exactly. in that scene that didn't happen, which I think adds more power to it that shows like, no, those are terms that people use because they're angry they don't have the power. Right. I'm they're not saying, angry. Yeah. And I love I love that take on it way better than what was just straight given. Like yeah. I think that scene adds a whole dimension and level to this film that I think really should have been left in there. Yeah, I'm not saying she was even really a town whore. People call women that all the time, and it might not even be an it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I think them, her her being an outcast, and then him being the alcoholic, and learning a little bit about their relationship and how that built, makes more sense than them just laying around looking at each other and uh, us knowing that they have a connection. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel it. Uh, I, I'm just not a fan of, you know, labeling women as trashy well, uh you know for oh, the no, sake I of know, it i completely agree but i think that's the whole point though is like the sheriff is a terrible character right that's yes the whole point he's only shows up to if you like as if you look at the script to read the scene you know he's talking about writing him a ticket and this kind of stuff even though he's doing nothing wrong like he shows up to terrorize this this recovering right. alcoholic so it's like yeah that's the whole point you give that moment to that guy because you know it's a BS, you know he's terrible, you know he's awful. Mm-hmm. It's not characterizing the character that way. It's showing his prejudice while also giving some back important background that you know they exist in a larger world. Exactly. And I think that I think you know opening it up just a little bit like that would have been helpful. This is very contained. The only larger world person you see brought into it at all is his one friend. Everyone yeah. else that you see in the movie is contained within within 
the, their characters and interactions, you know, there's they also left off from the script. Like, there's a moment where her boss was like, "Hey, who was that?" After, like, at the gas station after that one crazy woman had come in, she was like, "Oh, nobody." But it's just like they removed all those other people, and I'm kind of like, I think just a little bit of that is small as it is. I mean, it's five minutes. Like, cut five minutes of the lovey dovey crazy looking at each other stuff right put those scenes back in and i think you have uh a depth of added to the film that's great now again i don't know if they filmed that scene and i don't know if like they filmed it and it was just like oh gosh this guy sucks like maybe they had a bad sheriff actor or what decision they made but it's like having read that i was like man that one bit changes the perspective for me to so much in a better way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just really the pathos of Panos Cosmatos. Because, uh, like, again, Beyond the Black Rainbow is a very ethereal... It's even more plotless and ethereal than Mandy is. Uh, and I think it's, like, Mandy is just him taking a baby step, like, okay, let's instead of... Do, like, I already did my crazy experimental stuff now let's take some of those principles and put it to a more plot-driven, character-driven movie. So, and I think that's why we have that slow burn, ethereal kind of stuff at the beginning, and uh, not so much of the, you know, uh, with the writer instincts and the writer logic that you know more, uh, I say a quote-unquote more conventional film would have, you know. And, and I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, and I have to acknowledge I have a personal prejudice that comes into play here. Uh, almost all of my love for things like, you know, cinema and, you know, comics, video games, also, I have a love of stories. So yes. to me, I am looking for them as a story delivery system. Now, can I enjoy intellectually watching experimental film that doesn't have, uh, you know, story? Yes, to an extent, usually when I'm looking at the interesting things they're doing with the cameras or the splicing or the film or whatever, like I, I can enjoy that stuff. Yes. However, um, you know, some of the differences are, you know, like Man with a Movie Camera isn't two hours, I don't believe. Like, no. <laughs> it's like you, you hit a point where it's like, and so it's like, if you're going to do that, I know I'm going into that, that's fine. But if I'm going into a movie with a story, like, try to make that story hit properly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it. Uh, it. Although, still, then again, I've always just been one who really still thinks that film isn't always the best storytelling uh, uh, medium out there. Because what film, I've, at least in my experience, is that film is what it's really good at is instead of telling a story, it's actually really good at uh, portraying a mood. And an atmosphere. Yep, a feeling. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure, but and then that's you know, what this movie it's a matter of written. of doing both though. It's like okay, you can have two hours of just portraying a mood, but if there's nothing to it, then just watching two hours of a mood, no one's gonna watch two hours of your mood. Yeah. You better uh, watch it, two hours of my mood if I record it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send it to you. 
So no, I mean, like I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's like it. Yeah. Obviously, every medium has a different way of portraying it, and I, I love the different mediums for their different ways. You know, there's a richness to novels uh, in them setting the settings and letting your imagination run with that. Um, but at the same time, there's an expediency to things like comics because now you don't have to bother with like pages and pages of describing the setting and you're just off to the races. Yep. Uh, one of the things I love about about cinema is that it it puts you it, it, you it puts you right there and it makes you feel that um, this is particularly you know effective uh, in odd locations, fantasy locations, places you haven't been. Uh, you can really relate and empathize and that that's something this movie does very well you know it's like you get a feel for those woods and those places and these people and like you with even with the graininess you can see you know the heat uh from the the flames and the sweat and the the blood and the pain and it's like it allows you to empathize and connect which is very important however it's like while i might be able to empathize and connect with the character if you don't have a story, it doesn't even have to be a complex story, but one that at least engages me enough to want to keep me watching and keep giving me that experience, that is, I'm going to lose interest. That's what you don't want to have happen. And, I, and you know, that's just kind of my whole point with this is that, man, like that one little scene heightened my interest to a point that this was a very different experience coming mm-hmm. in the second time, just being aware of that. And I'm like, to me, that, just is uh, seems like a massive storytelling deficiency from an engagement perspective like yeah. that little bit of knowledge helped me be so much more engaged totally totally well uh so <laughs> all that said i'll get any... off my soapbox <laughs> no you're totally fine yeah, I, I, I absolutely you, enjoy though. it i would have liked to have a little had a little bit more background on who they were as people other than just staring at each other do you know what i mean oh yeah no totally but then again, the second half just pays off so well. Oh, it does. At, at the end of the day, do yes. I really care? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is amazing from just uh, like all around. I love it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good way to cap off the episode. Uh, so um, I guess uh, we'll see you guys. We're actually not going to be posting uh, next Friday, but instead we are going to be posting on October 30th. Halloween, and we're going to have a very special and obscure movie for you uh, for that. Oh, wait, no, it's uh, sorry. It's spo- I'm looking at my calendar now. It is supposed to be on Friday, but it is going to be on the 30th, uh, and we've got a special, very obscure Halloween movie with my good friend Daniel Gill. So hopefully we'll see you all next, uh, next week for that. Um, really want to thank Mandy for coming along, for doing the movie of her namesake. Of my na- That's my movie. <laughs> Nicholas Cage kills for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man, th- this has been a really good episode of Comtrack, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I've been Tim. I've been Sean. I I've been Mandy. <laughs> the person, not the movie. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.